All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Welcome back to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. We're doing a one-week episode this week, Tim, because you forced me to work on my vacation. The guy has been hounding me relentlessly, saying, John, there's so much hockey news. There's so we got to recap all this news. And so here I am in Rome. I've and a little baguette. Now I can't do any more fun. I got to do a podcast. So here I am. Are you? Are you good? Are you happy, Tim? This is where we're at. Yeah, yeah. I mostly just wanted to see your face. We don't even have to release this episode if you don't want. I just wanted to chat with you. I miss you. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Well, I'm having a good time. Fine. I'll do a quick. You know what I noticed? We were at the up here just because we do these tours and I'm not a big so I just kind of sit back and watch what's happening and the amount of people taking pictures of themselves is insane so I I don't know if you've experienced this Tim you're a young cat Tim can you hear me yeah so I don't know if you've experienced this selfie phenomenon but it's insane. Like I'm talking, it's not just like a quick click done. It's not a quick, Hey, can you take my picture? It's a whole choreographed routine that these people do. And it's not, it's not just the girls. So I don't want people to say, Oh, these girls, it's the guys, it's the girls, it's everybody. And it's hilarious. They do the stupid poses they brush their hair back, five, six, seven different pictures. Let me look at my phone, different angle. And it's ridiculous. And it's the the most hilarious part about it to me was there's some people that are just dressed inappropriately. Like I'm talking, I can see your underwear, your midriffs up to your, you know, under your chest. We're in front of St. Peter's Basilica the in the Vatican. Like this, this is the epitome of like religion, Catholicism. This is it. This is where the church 
was founded. This is where the Pope lived. This is what not, church wasn't founded there, but that's where it is held now. The Pope lives here. And you're taking sexy pictures and you're doing stinking. Di- it just, I just shake my head. I'm like, what are we doing here as a society? It's so fun. Well, I, I shouldn't be saying this to you because you probably do these pictures, Tim. You're, you're part of this culture of the, you probably got a selfie stick. You probably got the, the picture face real oh, sexy Tim look. It's probably on your Tinder profile. Yeah. Peace. Peace. Love. I love you guys. Yeah. And I'm always the guy, every time I take a picture, Daniel's like, don't face your hips toward the camera because I, I always look, I just turn square towards the camera and I always look like a fat blob. And she's like, angle your body. So I have no idea how to take a picture like that. Like just a complete goober. Do you, are you aware of this, Tim? Or how many selfies do you take on average a day? Honestly, tell our tell our listeners. My average is zero. I'm this whole time you were talking. I'm just picturing like today. You should take a day and take all the selfies and just lean into it, and then send them to me and I'll post them. People would love to see you taking selfies in front of the Colosseum or like a cute little cafe in Rome and just sort of just pose for it. People want to see it. I I don't have enough room on my phone. I have a five gigabyte memory. My phone and 4.85 of it is taken up by the stinking uh, Apple processor. So I can only have like two apps on my phone. <laughs> it's, it's just, I don't, I don't have the room. But you know what? You should have taken a selfie of me today. My wife was doing a tour and the baby was sleeping. It was 10 a.m. And I'm like, I'm going to get some beers and a pizza. I go to this cafe and he's like, uh, cafe, a little croissant. I'm like, give me. A beer and a pizza, por favor. And I've been saying Spanish to all these Italian <laughs> guys for some reason because I don't, and I'm just such an ignorant American. So I'll go in, I'll be like, yeah, por favor, mucho gracias. And there's like, that's Spanish, you idiot, or Mexican. I'm like, oh, no bueno, no bueno. And so I mix the Italian and the Spanish, and I'm just completely out to lunch. But, anyways. All that aside, it's been a great trip. We had a nice dinner. Our, our priest is here. We went out for Fat Tuesday and just tore it up. Had steaks and wine and appetizers and second course and third course and desserts. And it was delicious. But let's get to the hockey news, Tim. I don't think anybody wants to hear about my European adventures because it's been great. But I don't want to rub it in that I'm having an amazing time. But now I'm here. There's been some trades. we got to backtrack, regroup. Talk about some massive seismic shifting events. What are we going to talk about first, Tim? Well, the blockbuster this week was the Ryan O'Reilly trade to Toronto. And so he was traded along with Noel Achari. It's a three-way deal. And so Toronto receives those two guys. St. Louis receives a young player named Mikhail Abramov, Adam Gaudet, a first-round pick this year, a third-round pick this year, and a second round pick next year. And then there's a third team involved. Minnesota received Toronto's fourth round pick in 2025. They're involved just to make the even it all out. But it's really between Toronto and, and St. Louis. And it's a major trade. <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly had a hat trick the other night uh, in his second game, I think. First or second game with, with the Leafs. And really, really cool. Already got that chemistry. And really, it's going to be even more effective in the playoffs. That's when a guy like Ryan O'Reilly shines. And probably exactly what that team has been missing is that toughness, that ability to get it done in the hard minutes, the ability to take that important face off, to kill a penalty, to block a shot. 
stuff that we haven't really seen from a Tavares or a Marner and players like that. And so really cool. Um, the chemistry looks great. He's from the Toronto area, so he's really excited. And yeah, it's looked good so far. And then I think also an underrated part of this is Achari. He's a really good bottom six forward. He's played a lot of hard minutes with uh, Florida, with Boston. He's played in the cup finals before. He's a really effective uh, role player. So I think this is two great pickups for the Maple Leafs. So the reason they had to trade O'Reilly to Ottawa was they couldn't eat more than 50% of his cap. So that's the max you could do on a trade. And Toronto couldn't take on any of O'Reilly's cap space. So they had to use Ottawa to eat some of that cap space. Minnesota. So I think you'll see that a lot. Sorry, Minnesota. I think you'll see that a lot coming towards a trade deadline when you're trying to trade these big, big numbers. And teams have no room because of the salary cap. So you'll see these secondary third-party teams that kind of jump in and say, hey, give me a fourth rounder. I'll eat $4 million. But in reality, I'm eating a couple hundred thousand because the season's almost over. Anyways, moving on to the trade. I love Kyle Dubas. Can I, can I just get that out of the way? This guy, every offseason, every trade deadline, goes out and swings for the fences, in my opinion. He sees a need, and he addresses it. Now, obviously, this offseason, many people thought he missed with the Matt Murray and the Ilya Samsonov. That seems to be working out okay, but it's not the playoffs. That's what everybody's worried about. That's what everybody should be worried about if you're a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. All that aside, this guy, every single year, does something to improve this team. Don't you think, Tim? I think out of all the GMs, of all the major sports teams, this guy, he never stops working. He brings in a Joe Thornton. He brings in a Jason Spezza. He brings in a Kyle Clifford. He brings in a Mark Giordano. He brings in all of these guys to help the big four win. Jake Muzzin. I don't know what else he could do in this situation. He goes out and gets arguably the most impactful player on the market. You could argue Patrick Kane. You could argue argue Timo Meyer. Ryan O'Reilly is the epitome, like you said, the emphasis, the epitome of what you want a playoff player to be. Block shots, doesn't cheat on the defensive end, takes very, very, very high-end face-offs in the defensive zone when you're up by one with 30 seconds left and you need to win the draw. You're putting Ryan O'Reilly up. And what a luxury Toronto now has if you're in that position, you can throw Ryan O'Reilly and John Tavares on the ice. It's like, okay, we have two premier centermen who can go out there and win faceoffs at any given moment. So I, I love this move by Toronto. And you nailed it when you said, no, Chari, that guy's going to be fantastic. And he's not a fourth liner. You're going to slot him in on the third line. He's going to be so incredibly effective. And he, Toronto's maybe the one thing that they have an issue with is their penalty kill. These two guys are so great in the penalty kill. They're going to just lock down that first unit of PK. It's going to drastically improve that air. I think they're 15th in the league, if that's bad. But they're going to they're going to just completely overhaul that penalty killing unit, those two guys. And then I want to turn to the St. Louis Blues. How great have they done? They beat everybody to the market. They go out. They get the deals done. And now they're sitting on three first-rounders coming into next year, which is touted as a very, very, very good draft class. They're going to have a high pick of their own. And they're going to have Chicago's, excuse me, who are they going to have? They're going to have Toronto's and they're going to have New York's. So they're going to have three first round draft picks. I know Toronto and New York won't be really high. Maybe they can bundle those two first rounders up and get an even higher pick. So 
I love what Doug Armstrong has done in St. Louis. He's not just sitting there and hoping. He's not saying, well, we, we could make the playoffs. You're not going to win the Stanley Cup. Go out there and make some moves. Don't look now. They could trade some of their defensemen who have been underperforming. They got some very good quality veteran defensemen on that team who could be dealt. Tori Krug, Nick Gleddy. I don't know who else they have. Maybe a Parenko is a high-end guy that someone might want to get their hands on. So love what St. Louis did. Love what Kyle Dubas did. He did an interview after the trade. I'm going to butcher his quote, but he said, this is it. Like when you look at our team and you look at our contracts, we're going to be paying a lot of money coming up really, really soon. So we got to go all in. This is our year. He said, if we don't win the Stanley Cup, it's a disappointing season for us. He's basically telling his team, here you go. I just got you guys the best horse that was on the market. I went and got him for you. Go, go win. That's it. There's no excuses now. You know, oh, we got Joe Thornton, but he was, you know, he's a little old. Patrick Marlowe, oh, he's a little old. We got you Ryan O'Reilly. Playoff tested, Stanley Cup champion. That's it. There's no more excuses now in Toronto. If you do not win a Stanley Cup, this season is failing. There's no more, well, if we win a round, it'll be great. No, this is Stanley Cup or bust. That's it. Don't you think, Tim? Yeah, I do. And I think you have to think they're among the, if they weren't already, they are among the very, very top Stanley Cup favorites now. Um, even though they haven't won around as we, as we beat to death, but Ryan O'Reilly, Noah Char, these are exactly like I said, what those, what that team was missing. So yeah, they, as a Boston fan, it's kind of scary. It's, I don't want to face a Ryan O'Reilly in the second round if that, if that happens. Um, especially considering just the, the confidence and the swagger those guys would be playing with if they do win around. And it's going to be against Tampa. And so that's the big question mark. But this makes them a lot better and a much better matchup against the, the, the Lightning than they were two weeks ago. Well, talk about the arms race in the East. You know what I mean? The Rangers go out and get Tarasenko. The Leafs go out and get Ryan O'Reilly. Brad Marchand goes out and says, you know what? We're okay. We're not worried about anything. We're have a good team. Carolina Hurricanes have a ton of money in cap space because of the Max Pacioretty trade. They're linked to a lot of high-end guys. Can the East get any stronger? Can it be any harder to come out of the East if you're potentially the Boston Bruins could be the winningest team in history? Set the all-time points record. I think it's 132. They're on pace to get 133 to eclipse the Detroit Red Wings of uh, whatever year it is. I don't know. Imagine being the Boston Bruins and your first-round matchup is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Or some, it's insane to think about the playoff format. It's garbage, but it's it's going to be insane in the East when it comes to playoff time. And then you're looking at the New Jersey Devils. They're kicking the tires on a team. Well, Meyer, Jacob Chitrin's in the mix with all these teams. It is going to be the beasts of the East is is back because these teams are, they're not holding anything back. Well, on top of that, apparently Patrick Kane, there was a report yesterday that he has inquired about the Rangers still making it work with him. So the, the Rangers are still in on Patrick Kane. Uh, I don't think, I think most likely he goes to, to Vegas. They made a small move yesterday, a small move in terms of on ice consequences. They traded Shea Weber's contract and a pick, I think, to 
uh, Arizona for Dyson Mayo. And really, this, this opened up just a little bit of cap room, but a lot more cap flexibility. And so Vegas is loading up for something here, too. And you got to think that they're going to go after a guy like Kane or, or Timo Meyer, who I'm sure the Sharks don't want to trade him to. And so I think he's probably the most likely landing spot uh, or Carolina or Dallas, but the Rangers are still in on him. And and you got to think Timo Meyer is going to come over to one of these teams and a lot of good players are left. I think the East is just, it's totally stacked. It's hard to imagine it getting much better than this. Well, Patrick Kane, do you think he would want to go play in Vegas? Looking at that roster, it's a decent roster. They, they will make the playoffs, but He's made it known he wants to go to the Rangers. So we're if he has the option, you know, he, he's going to push for the Rangers. He's he's going to make that known to his agent and the New York Rangers. And if I, if I'm if I'm Jeff Gordon, the Rangers GM, I'm making this work. If if I know Patrick Kane is still in the mix, and I've already got Vladimir Tarasenko, and I can somehow get my hands on a Patrick Kane, I can ice the two best lines in hockey right there. I got Tarasenko, I got Zabinajad, I got Panarin, I got Patrick Kane, I got Chris Kreider. I got, well, you would have to, you would think you would have to give up Lafreniere or Kako because you have no draft picks. The cupboards are bare. So you'd have to give up a prospect. But if if I'm them, I'm doing it. I'm giving up Lafreniere or Kako to get a Patrick Kane. Just looking at my team, I have a solid starting six and I got Shesterkin. Like that, that's murderer's role when it comes to your team right there. Don't you think? And then not to mention, you have a pretty solid third and fourth line anchored by some Stanley Cup champions in Barkley Gaudreau. So it, it, it's it's incredible that if they make that work, who's who's the favorite? Just say the Rangers get Kane. Who's the favorite in the East, Tim? Hurricanes have been winning all year. The Bruins are on a historical point pace. You got the Leafs who picked up Ryan O'Reilly and Olachari. You have Tampa Bay Lightning who have won the East the last three years. And then you got, who's the favorite? I don't know. I wouldn't want to be the one making those odds. But let's talk about the Bruins for a second because they haven't made any moves yet. Everyone's sort of waiting for them to. But they are linked to the uh, Gavrikov, which is a defenseman over in Columbus. And basically the deal is or the deal is done in principle. And they're working out a few things. The Bruins need to open up some cap space. I think they're trying to move Craig Smith to make it work. I, I don't really like this move, though, because you said you're giving up at least a first-round pick. And I understand Gavrikov's a good left-handed stay-at-home defenseman, and and those are valuable. But you've already got that in Forbert. You added Hampus Lindholm. If Matt Grizzlick or Forbert is your like second or third best left-handed defenseman, your second or third pairing, you're in good shape. Not to mention the guys that you've got down in Providence. Mike Riley's like your eighth defenseman right now, and he's he's an NHL player. And so I don't really like I don't really like the idea of of adding a player like that, especially giving up a first round pick. I don't see what need it addresses. I don't I don't understand the logic there. I do trust in Don Sweeney. He's made a lot of good moves over the last two seasons, especially the trades. Um, but that one's got me scratching my head a little bit. What do you think? Why are they looking at this guy? I think it's more so you don't want somebody else to get him because I know your your strength is your defense. But if you can add a guy like that. Why not? Because it would be a shame for him to go to a team like the Rangers or the Devils or the Canadians or sorry, the Leafs or the Hurricanes and make them that much stronger in it. How do you win championships, Tim? The back end and down the middle. And I know you say that the Bruins are strong. It bumps Grizzlick down to the second deep pairing. You got you got McAvoy and this guy would line up to be very, very good one two. And you got Carlo and Grizzlick as your three four. So that's really, really good. Or even Lindholm. 
for your three, four. So you can take your pick on your defense. You know, you can when it comes to the round, the third round and you're just dead, you don't have to just keep throwing out four defensemen and just pounding them into the ground. So they're absolutely done by the time it gets to the Stanley cup finals, because what I see happening in the East is these guys are going to kill each other for a month and a half. And I think a team in the West is just going to have a cakewalk all the way through, whether it's Colorado, whether it's Dallas, it won't be as hard fought of battles in the West as it's going to be in the East. The East is going seven games the way that these things are lining up and it's going to be hard fought battles every single night. So you're going to meet up with a team that's fresh, ready to go in the West. And do you really want your top four defense? When I saw it in Chicago for years, when they would just throw Seabrook, Keith, Chalmerson, those three guys just got killed when Brian Campbell was there. Those four guys just got just thrown on the ice for 25, 30 minutes a game when they were gassed by the time we got to game seven versus Ottawa. Cause I play defense. I sat on the bench and I watched them go out. It was just like, hello, I can play. And then like, no, but there is a benefit to having that kind of depth, especially on the back end, because you do log some hard minutes in the playoffs. You're, you're blocking shots. You're just doing whatever it takes. And if you're playing 30 minutes a night plus, oh, you get tired, you get worn out. So to have those six, seven, eight NHL's caliber defensemen, Tim, why not? <laughs> Go for it. What else would Boston want? That's the thing. You, why not spend, if you have it, if you're going to win the Stanley Cup? Would you regret after the season? You go, oh, man, should have got that defenseman. But at least we got our first rounder, which is going to be 30th overall, 31st overall. Great. No, but I, I, I like to add, like, a more of a depth defenseman. Like, I, I'm perfectly okay with – I mean, I love our defense. And if Grizzly is in the second pairing or Carlo or Forbert, like, <clears throat> that all works for me. So I, I don't really love the idea of, like, adding another top – pairing defenseman doesn't really it feels like a solution without a problem i'd rather add depth and, and get like one or two guys in the fourth line or or maybe like another like a luke shen type defenseman rather than give up a first for another guy that I, it doesn't really feel like we need i understand the point that i don't know guys get hurt carlo gets hurt it feels like every year i don't know what do you, what, you put, look like? you're putting too much value on this first round draft pick i think well, it's just like you- yeah when you look at the I don't analytics, really care about that. the 20-plus the picks are a crapshoot. They essentially should be a second-round draft pick. I, I think the, the chance of those guys making the NHL, the percentage-wise, is really low. When you go back and you look at the, the analytics of this, I, I read an article at one time saying the value of first-round picks is, is really overvalued because none of those guys make an impact in the NHL. I think once you get past the top 10 picks – it's a crapshoot. You know, anything goes. So if, if, you, if you're the Bruins and your pick will be the 31st pick or the 30th pick, trade it. Especially teams overvalue first-round draft picks. They think it's really sexy to have that, oh, number first. It's in the first round. Not the second, Tim. The first. It's still not going to be an NHL caliber player, potentially. So why not go out and get a guy who could just eat up 22, 23 minutes ride shotgun to Charlie uh, McAvoy and make his life a lot easier. Oh, but let's go get a Luke Shant. Tim, give your head a shit. Best defenseman on the market are Luke Shant. Come on. I can't believe you're saying this. You're Bruins. I just, what, you want what the best need is it addressing? It's just like, how does it help? I mean, I, I'm okay. It's fine. It's no need. Fine. They don't have any needs. Right. Um, okay. Let's talk about some of, there's another trade last <laughs> night. 
The Senators traded Nikita Zaitsev to Chicago. So the full breakdown here, Zaitsev, second round pick, fourth round pick to Chicago to for Ottawa to uh, future consideration. So basically they got nearly $6 million in real cash off the books and Zaitsev's term. Question is why? What they're they're opening something up. They're freeing up cash space. They want to make another move. It looks like it's probably Jacob Chichurin. That's the name that's being rumored right now. I don't know why. Otherwise, they would do this deal. Hopefully, Ottawa's not done. Zaitsev's a pretty good. You know, he's a good defenseman. So they got to. You got to think they're they're loading up to do something else. What was your reaction to this deal? I don't know what their defense is. Their weakness. So I think that if if they can get Chitrin, that's a plus. I think this is a good trade for Ottawa just to get Zaitsev off the books. Ever since he signed that big deal in Toronto, not ever since he's always been bad, but that he is really cratered. That was a Vili Leno type dive after that contract he signed because he's been terrible everywhere he's gone. So it's good that he's out of Ottawa. If they get Chitrin, I think that is an indicator to bring it is out the door. I, there's not enough money. There's not enough money to go around for these guys. There can't be. I don't know. I'd like this move for Ottawa, but then I think they they turn around and they trade to Brinkett at the deadline. So this is this is a prelude to another trade happening because you, there's too many guys on that team and there's not enough money. The cap's not raising this year. It's not going up. Maybe an incremental increase by one million, just to be like, "Oh, it raised." I'm Gary Bettman. I did something. I don't. I don't know. I, I love this move. It's a long term move, but I just feel like they're doing too much. Too much. What I don't know. Do, do you like this? Do you like this? Move? Well, I want to see what comes next, but they've already been so adamant about not trading to Brinkett. And so I don't know if that's posturing or whether he's trying to increase the trade value of him or whatever. Maybe, I mean, obviously they can change their mind, but usually you don't see a guy say, be so forthright and say, we're not trading him absolutely no chance and then go out and trade him two weeks later. So I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. They're up to something and, and it's exciting to watch, but that's, yeah, that's the latest trade right now. Um, and nothing else has come through since that last night. So it's a little bit of a lull. We got, I think, about eight days left to the deadline, something like that. Um, what do you, I mean, if you're reading the landscape, what do you, any guesses to what happens next or what other moves might come down? Well, the teams in the weeds right now are the West. Nothing has happened with Western Conference teams. Something needs to happen. It's it's all been in the East. What is Edmonton going to do? Are they going to make a move for Patrick Kane? He's been linked to them. Are they going to address the defense, go out and get a Jacob Chitrin? What's happening at Edmonton? Is Calgary going to make a push or are they going to fold? They've been losing games that they shouldn't lose last week and a half. I'm surprised Daryl Sutter is still a coach, to be frank with you. They've been playing really, really bad. They went out, they played Arizona the other night, jumped out to a lead. Arizona came back. Calgary had to scramble to get, get a couple points out of that game versus the Arizona Coyotes. So teams need to make a decision in the West. What are we doing? St. Louis has made a decision. They're selling shit. They're, they're not going for it this year. What is LA going to do? What is Calgary going to do? Who is Edmonton going to add? What's Colorado going to do, Tim? They've been floundering around the third place wild card spot the whole season long. What's their end game? Are they going to make a push for someone big? Are they going to go after a team of Meyer? What's the end game? You see Vegas is sort of sort of setting it up to try to make a move. We know they're not scared to make a trade. I just, I don't see any clarity in the West. 
as far as who's going to come out and say, you know what, we're going for it. No team has made that distinction to me as of yet. Whereas in the East, we know. We know who's making a run for it. There's five teams right now. If you include the Devils, there's six that are saying, this is our year. We want to make the Stanley Cup. And what's Tampa Bay going to do? Julian Breezeball has already said, we want to go out and typical Tampa Bay fashion, we want someone who fits our culture. They want to go out and get a Nick Paul type, a Brandon Hagel type. There are players out there that fit that. What are they going to, what do they have to spend? They don't have anything. So I'm interested to see A, where Patrick Kane goes, and B, what the teams in the West do. They seem to be just sitting on their hands right now and just waiting around. We know Arizona is going to eat some cap. We know these other teams are going to be there to make deals happen. I don't know. Dallas Stars, hello, you're first in the West. Let's go. Make something happen. The deals made now, I always find are more effective than the deals made that are the day of the deadline. So it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. What do you think is going to happen, Tim, in the last week leading up to the deadline? Well, one of the interesting factors that came out kind of out of nowhere was Matt Barzal is week to week, no timetable yet. He's got some kind of injury. And so... I think it's the ankle. Uh, there's there's a weird contact, incidental contact hit on the, in his game against the Bruins the other night. How much time is he going to miss? If he's if he ends up missing significant time, or at least on the LTIR, do they go out? Does this cap room open some stuff up for them too? Do they go out and try to make a piece, try to make a move? They're kind of they're in that first wild card spot right now. They've won two in a row, six of their last ten. They're they're looking pretty good. They look bad against the Bruins, but they're looking in good spot to make the playoffs. What do they do? Does this bars aisle open something up or does it make them that's that's one thing to keep an eye on too. The other thing is the Red Wings. We talked about them the other day. Seven of their last ten, they're looking really good. There is let's see, uh two points out of the wild card behind Florida. The Capitals in the meantime have lost five in a row, and they are now three spots out of the wild card below Detroit, below Pittsburgh, Florida, and the Islanders. So they're only got one point on the uh on Buffalo. So the East Wild Card is, 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 I think, pretty exciting to see, and and in one in one sense, it feels futile because none of these teams are going to beat a Boston or a Carolina in the first round. But in the other sense, like you kind of feel like Pittsburgh could beat anybody, and so I don't, I think, that, I don't think that uh, maybe not not enough attention is being paid to that. I think that could be really exciting too. Buffalo, Detroit. I'm telling you right now, those are my two teams. I said it last week. I like the way they're playing. I like the youthful exuberance. I think they have what it takes. Wouldn't it be fun if they went out and made a move? They have some cap space. We know they have some prospects in the pool that they could trade. They have a lot of draft capital. Who knows? Who knows? I I don't see them mortgaging their future to go out and get somebody, but make a swing at Timo Meyer. He's got some term left on his contracts. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I think the East will continue. My prediction is the East will continue to get high-end guys, and the West will stand pat. The West will get the West will get some depth. I don't see Kaner waving his trade to anybody in the West. I think he goes East. I think Timo Meyer goes East. I think Chicharin goes East. Do you think all three of those guys go East, or they, a couple of them go West? What's your prediction? Yeah, um, Chicharin to Ottawa is my guess. Meyer to to New Jersey is my is my other guess, and then Patrick Kane. I think he will stay in the West. I think he goes to to a Dallas. I think he goes to Dallas. Dallas, maybe Carolina, but I think it's going to be Dallas. What do you all think? right. Well, let's see if all this comes true. I, I think you're you're spot on. I think Kaner goes to Carolina. I think they all go East. 
I think you're good with the other two. But let's see what happens. I got to go. My wife's knocking at the door. And we will talk to you. I don't know when. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. 